Hi friends, welcome to True Crime Time. It's me, Megan. It's been a while. It's been a long while. I have not made an episode for you guys. Um, I'm here to talk about that a little bit. So, I'm not going anywhere. True Crime Time is not over. Nothing like that, if that's what you're thinking because of the way that I'm setting this up. Um, You know, as you know, things have been pretty crazy in the world right now, right? We have the pandemic. We have crazy politics and the world feels like it's falling apart. And I was doing pretty well with all of that. I think I was doing pretty pretty good. I had a pretty good grip on it. Um, but then I found out that I had to move. I'm move, so I'm moving. Let me, <laughs> and it's nothing bad. I'm not getting kicked out or evicted or anything like that. It's nothing like that. Um, but it's just how things worked out. And that was like the final thing that kind of put me in a bad mental health place. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. Today is not going to be a regular episode by any stretch of the imagination, but I wanted to come and check in. I haven't talked to you all in a while. So I thought it was time for an update, so you didn't think I just disappeared and was never coming back, something like that. I basically, I've always um, suffered from anxiety and depression from the time that I was a little girl to now being a big girl. It's still there. Um, You know, runs my family blah, blah, blah. No one, no one really cares. But, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back for your own mental health and you can't keep writing energy checks that your body can't cash. You have to take time for yourself to get right and get balanced. And I was not doing so hot there for a while, but I'm good. I'm okay. Everything's good. I did what I had to do. Um, now I'm in a good place. I have to pack up. I have to move my stuff. Maybe in about a month or so. And I'm going to get back to making regular episodes. And that's one of the reasons... I feel like I'm saying and so much. (laughs) That's one of the reasons that my podcasting schedule has always been so erratic is because I don't always have the energy to do it. If anybody listening makes a podcast or creates anything, music or whatever, it's, it's taxing. And I'm not complaining because literally nobody asked me to ever make a podcast. (laughs) Nobody did. I decided to do it. Um, And it's a lot of work and it's work that I enjoy, but it's research. It's a lot of research. It's basically like a book report because I want to make sure that I'm giving quality, 
right? I would never put out anything that I'm not happy with. So there's that. So I just want to say, you know, a lot of people were having a hard time as you can, I'm choosing my words carefully here, as you can tell by my frequent pausing. A lot of people were already having a hard time with so many changes in the world. Um, and I just want to say, pay attention to your headspace. Talk to your friends, talk to a counselor. There's resources available. Don't let it get so bad. And people don't talk about their anxiety or their depression or their bipolar or their BPD, you know, or whatever. And that's, I feel like we need to do more of that. We need to be more forthcoming with the information because that's the only way we're going to get around the stigma, right? People are uncomfortable because they're stigma and they feel like they're going to be judged. And I don't care. I don't care if I am anymore. I did for a long time, you know, when I first started this kind of journey, doing therapy and whatever, when I was in middle school, um, you know, I thought, who wants to take something for their brain? Like my brain is broken. That's a hard thing to kind of come to terms with. Like, is it my fault or, you know, it's not, it's not, but it happens. So long story short, um, really my main message is to just, you know, take care of yourself and pay attention and don't wait because you don't have to suffer alone. You really don't. There are people who will listen and there are people who will care. Um, so I want to talk about something else as well. And I just want to point out really quick, my cats, I don't know what they're being really crazy right now. And it's really quiet in here. So if there's like rustling or like whatever, that's what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm so sorry. Kind of. I don't know. So let me do a quick commercial. The quickest commercial. And we'll be right back. And I'll t- we'll talk about the other thing I want to talk about. So I'll talk to you in a moment. Hello, there you are. Here I am. So I mentioned today wasn't going to be a regular episode. And continuing with that, I'm going to tell you another personal story that nobody asked for. But today, today is a special day. Today is a special horrible day. Because today is the 19th anniversary of September 11th, um, which is when, for you listeners out there not from here, from the U.S., um, that is the anniversary of the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City, a.k.a. Manhattan. And as I've mentioned several hundred times before I'm from Long Island which is very close to the city um my cat was just running if you could hear it 
so close, in fact, that, you know, we f- we felt a lot of the impact, not physical impact, but we got a lot of impact, you know, from what happened here. So I'm just going to tell you about my experience with that. So basically, I'm from a town, nice little suburban town called Northport. Northport is about an hour train ride on the LIRR from Manhattan, right? So have a, I actually went to school there for a short time because the commute made me so tired. Um, but it's worth it. It's, it's easy to visit the city. There's so much to do there. So on September 11th, 2001, I was a freshman in high school. So big school, a lot more people, you know, it's September. So school's just beginning. It was a lot, you know, it was like a exciting time. My sister had already gone through the school. I knew all about it. I was excited to be there. Huge class. I can't even tell you the size of how many people were in my graduating class. Because if I estimated, it would be grossly inaccurate. So I'm not even going to try. But it's a large school, grades 9 through 12, right? So basically, today, I was I was writing a post about this to put on the True Crime Time Instagram page. And I thought, I should just tell it to you. I'll tell it to you instead. That seemed more right. That felt more right to me. So basically, I was in class and one of the towers was hit. And there was like kind of like murmuring and whispering and it just seemed like, you know, a horrible accident. And that was really all that was known at the time. Classes went on um, pretty regularly for, for a short while, I guess. And I can't honestly remember what classroom I was in. I believe it was health, my health classroom. And I'm pretty sure this is the order it happened in. I might have it backwards, but I think this is I think this is right because the day is a little bit of a blur, right? So the principal made an announcement that there was another plane hit or another impact, right? A second plane had hit. And it was at that point where we started to kind of wonder, like, that doesn't really seem to be an accident anymore. What are the odds of that happening? Hey, quit it. So, you know, that was, that was freaky. That was scary, right? And I do remember someone coming in when I was in Spanish class a little while later and saying that the towers had 
collapsed, or at least one of them had. And again, the day is a blur, so it's hard for me to, to remember the exact order of everything. But basically, there's this big area in the middle of the school called the Commons, right? It's kind of where everyone would hang out between their classes. There was a, we called them wells, right, for each grade to kind of hang out in. Um, and in the middle of the commons, kind of why the doors to the cafeteria, there was a TV or two and the news was on. And I just remember everyone standing around and just watching. It was, it was pretty quiet, right? So a lot of people saw the same things on TV and on the news all around the country, all around the world. But it was different for us. If you live in the tri-state area, if your parents commuted to work, you know, the panic really began. And I remember the tension. I remember the feeling and the, the anxiety because people started getting called to the office to be told that their parent or brother or sister or grandparent or aunt or uncle had died, right? That was a thing that started to happen and it happened quite a bit. So it wasn't like a freak thing where you know, it happens one time and we speculate that that's what happened. People were getting called often to be told that their world was just turned upside down, right? So the fear, the fear from that day, like all the feelings from, from that environment and that fear are just kind of like burned into me and every time this day comes up they just come back it just the feeling comes back to me and I wasn't directly impacted I'm fortunate that nobody that I love or closely know was in the city that day you know but it doesn't make that feeling any less easy to deal with. Um, I've always been a very empathic person. So I, I very quickly take on like the emotions of, of others around me. Right. But I was speaking with someone, um, earlier today, someone who is a grade below me, who was telling me that the same thing happened at the middle school that people were getting calls and they were being told, you know, we're so sorry or your parent or your grandma or whoever um, had been in the building. And she also told me that one person lost both of their parents at the same time that day. 
Could you imagine? Like, everything you know is just, your world is so, so different. And everyone's world changed that day, for sure. Um, so, we went back to school. That, or I'm going, taking you back to school. Let's go back to my school. At the high school, right? And I don't remember if they let us out early. They may have let us out a little bit early. And I lived like a mile or so from the school. So I used to walk home every day. And I remember leaving the school or just about to walk past the parking lot. And my mom was there. And that kind of freaked me out too because I could already, you know, from the school day and everything that was happening, I could already tell that something horrible was going on. Like, obviously something horrible was going on. But seeing her there, like, made me, it made me feel it even more. Because she worked and she wouldn't get home till 6 o'clock or 6.30 or so. Um, and she was just there and she picked me up and she drove me home. I don't really remember what she talked about or what we talked about. I feel like I was kind of numb. And I remember standing in the living room. Both of us were standing because it was like we couldn't, I don't know, like we had to be doing something. You couldn't sit and watch that news. Like I couldn't sit and I kept pacing out of the room because I just couldn't, I couldn't take it in. Because one of the things that that I do that's hard to, to not do, but I do it, and I know a lot of people do it, is when you start hearing about tragedy or loss, like, yes, I think of it on a big picture, but I kind of zero in and I zoom in on individual people and I wonder what they were thinking and I wonder what their families are thinking and how they're feeling. And that's just kind of a bad snowball effect to the point where... It's not healthy for me, you know, to be thinking about that. There's nothing I can do about it. Yes, it's great to be compassionate. It's great to have empathy. But, like, don't cripple yourself by by doing something that's not helping anybody. So, I was pacing. Again, ninth grade, though. You know, how many great coping, coping mechanisms do you have at that age? right? Who does? But I remember I had walked out to the deck in the backyard and I would, I would pace, you know, back from there, back inside, back to the deck. And I heard planes like low, low flying planes. And I know now, cause I went to ask my mom at the time. Um, and they were military planes, all kind of military they were making sure we were safe. But in that moment, at that time, being so close to the city, I was like, are these going to come take out the rest of us? Like, what's happening? And I was very much in panic mode. Um, it was very scary, honestly. It was very, very scary. So... That's really all I remember from that day. I don't remember sleeping. I don't remember 
going back to school the next day. I don't remember any of that. But what I do remember is that that wasn't where it ended because friends of mine whose parents were in the local fire departments and the local police stations all went to the city for two weeks or three weeks to help dig through the pile, the pile, which was essentially the giant pile of debris and human remains um, that were left by the attack. So all the first responders from Long Island, or very, very many of them, maybe not every single one, they all left their families and went to the city to help recover people, bodies, and to, to help, you know, move the debris and, and things like that. And I remember just being so struck by the selflessness of those acts. And I, I've heard this before and I, I heard it today in a video I watched um, by a, an FDNY it's a fire department um, for those of you who don't know. And he was saying how New Yorkers have been known to have a bad rap, right? Like New Yorkers are cold and callous and we got big mouths and that's all true <laughs> that's 100 percent true but as selfish as people are new yorkers are helpful and we got hearts as big as our mouths so seeing everyone helping each other and leaning on each other and just the sense of community you know and talking to my friend whose dad went and he wasn't home for dinner for weeks and he would be tired and cranky like the toll the toll this must have taken on all of these first responders of course all the families of those affected people who survived people who passed but the first responders who had to see the most terrible things and witness them and just man that's a lot i mean but i've never been more proud seeing the response to be a new yorker to be a long islander Ever.